like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody, and welcome like to this Wednesday ass. edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I am excited to be here. I hope you all are ready to be learned up today. It is an exciting, exciting, exciting episode of the Logan Blackman Show for your ear holes today. And this is the first time in a very long time that we have had a Monday show followed straightly up by a Wednesday episode. So give everybody a round of applause. I can't really do it because I'm standing up right now and I, I don't know what has it has to do with clapping her hands. But I can't set the mic down, so I can't really give a a, a resounding standing ovation. I guess I could give a standing ovation, but I'm just going to sit there and tip my cap like the kid tipping his hat to Derek Jeter, doing like one of those things, or tipping the cap like Jack Sparrow or something. But I digress. That's not important. Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show in every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And you can also go check out all those links and more on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can check out our latest blog post. We'll have our Week 13 quarterback prospect rankings out for you sometime this week. It will be our last quarterback prospect rankings of the season and then we'll go strictly into purely draft stuff okay so this is going by week by week this is the last time where every single quarterback that you know quarterbacks will be playing on the same week so when you get to the bowl season then we kind of get in a little wishy-washy area because now everybody's playing on the same week you got bigger bowl games than others like it's just it's hard to judge that kind of stuff but you can go and check out the LoganBlymanShow.com for all of that stuff. And I've got the Ohio State-Michigan game on right now, the replay of it. And we've got J.J. McCarthy's absolute seed to Roman Wilson for the second touchdown of the game for Michigan. What a freaking throw. I don't care if it was an interception or an incomplete pass, whatever you want to view it as. That was an insane throw from J.J. McCarthy. You can like J.J. McCarthy. You can dislike J.J. McCarthy. You can like Michigan. You can dislike Michigan. This throw to Roman Wilson is elite. Elite. Everything was perfect about it except for the, you know, wishy-washy catch, fumble, incomplete, interception, whatever, whatever you want to call it. That throw deserved a touchdown. So I'm glad the football gods prevailed in that one because I could see an argument being made that it was an interception, that it was an incomplete pass, that it was whatever. I don't care, but you can check out JJ McCarthy and other quarterbacks on the LoganBlabbinShow.com. And the last thing and the most important thing here is to make sure to follow Logan Blyman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to leave a rating on a five stars on both. Doesn't need to be a five star rating, though. I would greatly appreciate that more than not a five star rating. And yeah, leave a description down below and why you feel the way you do. And we are here, ladies and gentlemen. We are here. We are midway throughout the week. That's usually what Wednesday stands for. It's hump day. It's the middle of the freaking week. You know what that means? And this week of college football, week 14 of college football is conference championship week. <laughs> it is a, a very fun yet very stressful time when your team is involved. This will be my third attempt as a fan <laughs> going to the Big Ten Conference Championship game. You've got the game against Michigan State, which obviously had the nine-minute drive. LJ Scott touchdown with Connor Cook as the quarterback for Michigan State, TJ Beathard, Tavon Smith, the whole Gus Johnson, I got it, that whole thing. Then you have the blowout against Michigan with J.J. McCarthy playing there. And Iowa's former starting quarterback before the season, uh, before the injury against Michigan State, Cade McNamara, when he played that game, along with Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, and all those other really good players there. Blake Corum was there, too. Like, it was a, a very not fun game. And now we are back. 
And now we are back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Big Ten Conference title. This is a Michigan team that may not have the same level of starred power that it did the last time these two teams met in the Big Ten Championship game, but this is a more complete Michigan team. I just found this out today. I didn't even think about this. There's not been a single half of football Michigan has been losing in this entire season. And you can credit that to them playing a pretty easy first portion of the season schedule, but they also played the likes of Ohio State and Penn State in there too and have never once trailed at half. It obviously hasn't trailed the end of the game either because they won every single game they played, but this is a good Michigan team. And they can beat the shit out of you in the run game. They have one of the best offensive lines in college football. They have arguably the best one-two running back tandem in college football, Blake Corm, who's got like 100 freaking touchdowns this year, about 90% of them from the one-yard line, and Donovan Edwards, who's a very good pass-catching back. He had a pass that went for 30-plus yards against Ohio State last week. Like, they have a very capable offense. Now, obviously, you got Roman Wilson at receiver. We just talked about Cornelius Johnson's out wide. Colston Loveland at tight end. And then, of course, the main guy, J.J. McCarthy. And with J.J. McCarthy, you have throws like what you have against Ohio State. He's got some things he still needs to work on. He's relatively new to the thing. I know it's uh, it's weird to say since his second year as the full-time starter at Michigan, but he's still learning some things about the position of quarterback, which is what you get sometimes in college, and that's why with this offense, they don't need him to necessarily do an insane amount of stuff, but when they need him to do that or when they ask him to, he's more than capable of doing that. Like, this Michigan team is very, 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 very good. <laughs> they're a very scary unit, and if they're clicking on all cylinders, this won't really be a game. Just speaking, like, as neutral as you can, this probably, like, I, I think Iowa has a chance. Don't get me wrong. I do think Iowa has a chance. I think if you're looking at the rest of the Big Ten West, Iowa clearly has the best chance to beat Michigan. And we've said that numerous times. we said that when Brady was on here. Even Brady said it. I've said it when it was just by myself. Like, this is an Iowa team that is equipped, though no Cooper DeGene, who just won the Big Ten's uh, defensive back of the year and returner of the year, with Torrey Taylor winning punter of the year again, which is not surprising to anybody. But without having Cooper DeGene here, it makes it a little difficult. But this team is solid. There are a lot of other players outside of Cooper DeGene, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that can make a difference in this game. Like Iowa's defensive line, I'm pretty sure every single player along the defensive line, the starters, were all on some sort of all Big Ten team, whether that's a third team or honorable mention second team, like Logan Lee, uh, Joe Evans, Craig, Black, like all these guys have been put on the all Big Ten teams. Again, it doesn't necessarily need to be first team all Big Ten. And you got the likes of Castro making it, Schulte's making it, like you've got Higgins is making it, Jackson's making it. So you've got a lot of really solid pieces on the defensive side of the ball, but Kubrick's obviously the main one. He's one of three finalists for the Jim Thorpe Award, which goes to the best cornerback in all of college, best defensive back, sorry, in all of college football. This defense is elite. We know this, but they have not faced a team like Michigan. I know Penn State is in that category as well, but Michigan beat Penn State with having their quarterback throw it eight times. Like You have not played a team like Michigan so far this year. Whether you want to say Penn State's close to what Michigan is and what they aren't, whatever, Michigan is better at everything that Penn State does. And Penn State had a couple of coaching mishaps in that game, like the going for two the couple times they did. Making it go from a one-score game to a two-score game because they kept going for two and missing it. That's not really the recipe for success, especially when you're playing a team, again, as good as Michigan. Now, for Iowa on the opposite side of the ball, it's a completely different story. Completely, completely different story. Caleb Brown is expected to play, which is big. 
which is big. You need that stuff to happen in this game. He's been one of the better receivers for the Iowa Hawkeyes in recent weeks. There were some rumors about Deontay Vines playing this game. I'll have to wait and see on that. But the main question that is going into this game, obviously, because the main question revolves around every single Iowa fan every single freaking week, is the quarterback position. That's Deacon Hill. That's Deacon Hill. And it's funny, we brought, I think we brought this up on Monday's show, but Iowa benched their kicker <laughs> before they benched their starting quarterback. And it Drew Stevens that made an all-Big Ten team this year, too. Granted, he did miss two field goals against Nebraska, one of them being blocked, but you benched your kicker on the last kick of the regular season <laughs> to, to not only, well, you already clinched the Big Ten West title, but to give you a win against Nebraska on the road and the streak of their, and their one-game winning streak against Iowa, and you put a guy who hasn't kicked a field goal all year. Who thought about just quitting football altogether when he transferred from Central Michigan? Like, it was, it was not supposed to be that way. And it happened, and it worked, and it was nice. Nice moment for the Iowa Hawkeyes, their fans, the kicker, everything. It was perfect. But it does irk me a little bit that you were more willing to do that than your starting quarterback. And we know Kirk, to a fault at times, has shown unwavered loyalty to his starting quarterback. Unwavered. Like, there have been really bad quarterbacks that have played <laughs> for Iowa under the Kirk Ferentz era. James Vandenberg... Solid quarterback as junior, the year after Iowa went to the Orange Bowl, or the Inside Bowl, sorry, with Ricky Stanzi, James Vandenberg comes in as a starter. James Vandenberg has a very solid junior year. I think Iowa go back to the Inside Bowl, they play Oklahoma. Like, they, they go back. He had solid stuff there. His senior year, Iowa shits the bed. In every single category, Iowa shit the bed. They were terrible at home, and guess what? James Vandenberg finished with either seven touchdowns and eight interceptions, or eight, interceptions, eight touchdowns and seven interceptions. It was not a good season, but you want to know what? James Vandenberg was the only quarterback to take a snap that year. The only one. Neil Downs, whatever. He, no one other quarterback took a single snap that season at Iowa. So when you go into the next season, James Vandenberg's now gone. you got a three-way quarterback battle between Jake Rudock, C.J. Beathard, and Cody Sokol. Like, there's been situations like that. We didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. Phil Steele thought it'd be Cody Sokol. He ended up being third string and transferring to Louisiana Tech. <laughs> And the guy that a lot of people thought would be the third string, because Iowa used to do this thing at Valley Stadium. I don't know if they still do it, but my dad and I used to go every year. It was like a, an in-stadium practice at Valley Stadium in West Des Moines. We used to go there every year, and we thought Cody Sokol looked the best out of the three quarterbacks that were competing for the starting job. C.J. Beathard was the third string, according to a lot of people out there. <laughs> and guess what? Not only did he eventually take the starting job, he was the best quarterback by far out of those three quarterbacks. And it's funny, because Iowa's starting quarterback before the injury, Cade McNamara was a guy who transferred from Michigan to Iowa. Jake Rudock was a guy who transferred from Iowa to Michigan. I just think that's really funny how that all works out. Everything comes around again. Because I remember I was in, jeez, was I in high school at that time? Yeah, I had to be in high school, like early high school. When was that, 2014, 2013, 2014, sometime around there? I'm getting my years all mixed around. But I remember a lot of people... When C.J. Beathard was finally named a starter after the bowl game and Rudock transferred, a lot of people hated Jake Rudock. Hated Jake Rudock because how could he possibly transfer to a Big Ten school, a school that competes directly with Iowa? I was like, well, they don't really can technically compete against Iowa. Yes, they're in the same conference, but the chance of them playing are relatively slim. It's not really something that we're expecting to see. He went to a school that wanted him. He's going to play there. They're not playing Iowa. I think it all works out. <laughs> so now with Cade Mandemar coming in, I saw this on Twitter. The reason I'm bringing this up, the Jake Rudock transferring in, is because I saw people on Twitter saying, man, Michigan fans are so classy. 
how can you hate on Cade McNamara when he came from Michigan and did all that stuff with you guys, and then now you hate him because he plays for Iowa? Like, it's the same exact thing. I know Cade McNamara did a little bit more at Michigan than Jake Ruock did in his time at Iowa. Like, won a Big Ten title game, beat Ohio State for the first time in frickin' forever, went to the college football playoff. Like, he did a lot of good things for Michigan. But it's kind of funny to see how everything flips around now. Hey, hey, you can't hate your guy, but we sure as hell hate our... I remember trying to tell people, hey, he didn't do anything to Iowa. Jake Rudock is not doing anything to Iowa. I think it was one of those situations, though, where it was guy didn't really meet expectations, which has kind of been a common occurrence at Iowa in the recent years. Came from Miami, was the Florida... I think he was the Florida Player of the Year. He went to high school with Joey Bosa. Like, this guy was coming in, very good quarterback, the massive-ass helmet, <laughs> and then C.J. Beathard... This long-haired dude, 16, looks like freaking sunshine from remember the Titans, his backup. My dad used to always say, the best quarter, or the fan favorite at Iowa, the most popular person in Iowa is the backup quarterback. And that's funny because we're talking about the backup quarterback now. I'm not saying Joey Labus would be the better option. I don't know. We haven't seen Joey Labus play this season. We saw him in the bowl game. I thought he looked fine. But that was against Kentucky team that had all their starters out as well. Like Iowa didn't have a lot of their starters. Kentucky didn't have a lot of their starters. So it was just a really, you know, interesting time for the quarterback position. I know there was some drama around Labus during the offseason, but I, I can't really imagine that he'd be much worse than what Deacon Hill has been showing us in his time as the quarterback at Iowa. So going into this game at Michigan, or not at Michigan, but against Michigan, sorry, it, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. It does feel me a little bit more, like, comfort that there's no Aiden Hutchinson or David Ojabo trying to get after him. Because before David Ojabo got his injury, before he snapped his Achilles and, and the training before the combine, or was it his pro day? I can't remember if it was his pro day or just some random workout before the combine, but without that injury, he's a first-round draft pick. So you have two first-round edge rushers, one of the most important positions in all of football, like left tackle and quarterback might be seen as the only two positions that are more valuable than edge rusher. And that's even pushing it. Like, you can... I could see some people saying edge rusher is more important than left tackle. Just depends on however you want to look at it. But you have two guys that are first-round draft picks. One of them ended up being the second overall pick in the draft, but was widely considered to be the best overall player in the draft. And then David Ojabo was pretty much consistently talked about being a top 15 pick in the draft. Then snapped his Achilles and then falls all the way to the second round. That fills me a little that makes me feel a little bit more confident, and I mean confidence not the right word, but makes me feel a little bit more comfortable in the situation going into this game. That's the main thing I would take away from that. Now, I said this on Monday, I was going to need to establish some sort of run game. I know the odds of lines about some injuries this year, but you need to have to try and control some of the clock. You have to try, <laughs> because as good as the defense we just mentioned is, if you keep going three and out, if you keep giving the defense no time to rest, you're going to have a lot of problems. I want to see Deacon Hill have a J.J. McCarthy versus Penn State style game. Now, I understand that the likes of Williams, Johnson, Jazz, they're not anywhere near the levels of Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, but at least just run, rotate all three of those guys as much as you possibly can, and your only pass plays are out routes <laughs> and to the tight ends. Have Brown come in motion, give him some jet sweeps and every now and again, but good Lord, it's got to be an ugly, ugly, ugly game. It's got to be. That's the only way I think Iowa can win this game. But hey, if anybody's willing to go in the trenches, it's this Iowa football team. And they do not care what you think throughout the entire process. They will get ugly. 
Michigan's willing to do that too. So this game could be a very odd game or a game that not a lot of people are expecting, but I saw this on Twitter just before we started recording. I thought this was really funny and kind of uh, depressing at the same time. So they released the odds or the, yeah, the, the betting odds for this game, the Iowa-Michigan game. Iowa's first half team total. This is total points in the first half. If you haven't seen this, take a guess on what I'm about to say. I'll give you five seconds. So Iowa's first half point total against Michigan. Okay, ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. The first half over under for Iowa and their point total is point five. Point five. Not even a single point. <laughs> That's the over under in this game. Or this game. The first half is point five. You want to know what else? Iowa's total points for the second half. Team points for the second half is .5 again. So in two halves of football, Iowa, per the odds, the over-under for the entire game is one. <laughs> that is insanely insulting. That is ins- you can find that funny or not. I don't really care. I think it's kind of funny and sad that that's the odd. That's the legit odds. Michigan's is 12 and a half for the first half. Or no, 16 and a half for the first half, 12 and a half for the second half. So per these odds, let's do the math. Let's do the math. I'm not going to do the math in my head. We're going to get a calculator out. So we got one, but 16.5 plus 12.5. So per the odds, the they think the score will be 29 to one. That's what we're, that's what we're looking at here. Over under 29 to one for your point total in this game. Now, obviously, you cannot score one point in football. Obviously, an extra point counts as one, but you have to score a touchdown first. I do think Iowa can score a field goal in this game. I do think if it gets ugly enough and you start forcing turnovers, which is easier said than done. J.J. McCarthy's only thrown four interceptions all year, and three of those came in one game in week three. So since week three, he has thrown one interception this entire season. So making Michigan turn the ball over again is a lot easier said than done. A lot easier said than done. And not to mention, J.J. McCarthy can freaking move, too. So if you're trying to collapse the pocket on him and make him nervous, well, guess what? He's going to cut up the middle or go around the outside of your edge rushers and get a first down or make some crazy throw on the run because he's capable of doing that. So if you can force turnovers in this game, which will be big, but again, easier said than done, especially with no Cooper DeGene, you can pull off the biggest shock of college football history. <laughs> Not history. I shouldn't see that. But I did see people talk comparing it to Iowa versus South Carolina in the women's basketball game last year. I think this game, if Iowa was able to beat Michigan, this is such more of a way bigger upset than Iowa versus South Carolina in basketball. Because Iowa's women's team had respect. You had the national player of the year. You had the best player in all of college basketball on your roster. As long as she was on your roster, you had a chance to win the game. Apart from Cooper DeGene, who's not playing this game, Iowa does not have a player to the national audience that can take them over the top if need be, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Top two tight ends are hurt. You got a lot of injuries on the offensive line. Your starting quarterback got hurt. Like, there's not really a lot of players you look towards at Iowa and go like, yeah, they can win this game for them. According to a lot of the national media outlets out there, I'm not people from not outside of the state of Iowa or people that are outside Iowa fandom. 
So it'll just be very, very interesting to see how this one takes place. But if they win this game, if they win this game, that would screw up literally everything that the college football playoff committee is wanting. That would screw up absolutely everything. I saw this today too. Where is it at? I screen. I made sure to screenshot it. Most likely to win the college football playoff championship. Odds via fan duel. Michigan has got the best odds to win the college football championship this year. Which is not surprising. We've said Michigan's the best team in the country for a little bit now. It's not, that shouldn't be that surprising to a lot of people. It's followed by Georgia at number two. You got Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Washington, Florida State, Ohio State. And then coming in at number nine with plus 100,000 odds is Iowa. Michigan's odds to win the national championship game are plus 185. Iowa's are plus 100,000. That is five zeros for your head top. Five zeros. So again, if Iowa pulls off this game, pulls off this upset, that would screw up literally everything. This would be like on par with you and I beating Kansas in the first, the second round of the NCAA tournament. That would be just like this game. If Iowa was able to pull us off, that's what it would be reminiscent of. Kansas was the number one overall seed in the tournament. And they lost to you and I in the second round. Ali Farouk Manesh, Kachoa Haligba, Jared Agelseeder, Lucas Horrier, Johnny Moran, Alex Cock, <laughs> Alex Coke. But it's funnier to say Cock. Like, that's what this game would remind me of. Kansas had Sharon Collins. Kansas had Cole Aldridge. Like, Kansas had good players. And you and I beat them. So that's what I would kind of compare this game to. 100,000 odds versus 185. That is crazy. This is the number two team in the nation, Michigan, versus the number 16 team. So remember we talked about that on Monday where Iowa would move up to them in the rankings after the, the win this past weekend and a couple losses going on in front of them, mostly Louisville losing and then uh, Oregon State losing as well. But here's the new college World playoff top 25. There's more movement in the top 10 than there was last week because of the fact Ohio State lost to Michigan this week. Geez, sorry. But your top five is Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, and Oregon. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to keep going, but I said top five. So that's your top five. I think, given how the two teams have played, I think Oregon beats Washington this week. I do think Oregon beats Washington on Friday. I think Oregon's playing some really, really, really good football on both sides of the ball, and I don't think Washington's playing that great. I don't think they are. Because you look at what Oregon did against Oregon State, and I, granted, there was a lot of different variables in that game. One game was on the road. Washington had to travel to Corvallis to play Oregon State. The other one had rain and wind. That was the Washington game, too. Oregon was at in Eugene at Outson Stadium. No real insane weather conditions up there. So a little bit different in that aspect, but Oregon didn't really miss a beat in that game. The Arizona State game, a game Washington only won 15-7. Oregon blitzed them. Absolutely blitzed them. Like, Oregon's playing some very, very, very good football right now. So I think Oregon goes to the college football playoff. So I think if I had to make my predictions right now about the college football playoff, what the standings is and all that stuff, pre-conference championship weekend, middle of the week of conference championship weekend, I would go Georgia. I think they beat Alabama. God forbid Alabama beats Georgia. And then we're going to have a whole mess of worms on our hands if that ever happens. Alabama comes in at number eight. 
I would not be shocked <laughs> if Alabama jumped up in the top four because Oregon or Washington is going to lose. We know that for a fact. I think Florida State will lose to Louisville because Louisville's a very odd team. They beat the teams that they should beat, and they lose to teams they shouldn't beat either. <laughs> They're two losses in the year to Kentucky and Pitt. When Pitt beat Louisville, they had one win, and that was against zero win William & Mary. Louisville was undefeated at the time, so Pitt had two wins against a zero-win team and a zero-loss team. That is insane. So you never know what Louisville team you're going to get, but with Jordan Travis being out, I do think Florida State ends up losing that game. I think I think this is what we're going to see in the college football playoff. Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Texas. I think Texas, if they don't beat Oklahoma State, we're going to have some serious problems. I think Texas, in their last year of the Big 12, going to the SEC, I'd be very intrigued to see how they handle Ohio State. I would be very intrigued by that, how they handle Ohio State. Not playing in a conference championship game this weekend, but still ranked higher than, than Texas. I think it will have a lot to do with how Texas plays against Oklahoma State. If they let Oklahoma State hang around, I understand Oklahoma State's a top 20 team and everything, but Oklahoma State is not the greatest top 20 team of all time. The fact this team is in the conference title game is insane enough. We talked about that on Monday. This team lost 33-7 against South Alabama. This team lost 45-7 against UCF, the team that ended up finishing last in the Big 12, or second to last because Cincinnati finished last in the Big 12. Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State. Like, this is not a great, and that's no disrespect to Iowa State, but given what preseason expectations were, and given how good Oklahoma State was considered at the time, like just losing to South Alabama, and then losing to Iowa State, and then now we're sitting here talking about them being in the Big 12 championship game. So if you let them hang around, or God forbid, lose, or need a last-second field goal to win this game, then I would not be shocked if Ohio State jumped up there. Without even playing a game. This is the problem with Alabama beating Georgia. Because if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia's not dropping out of the top four. They're not. The number one team in the nation. They're the reigning two-time national champs. They're not dropping out of the top four. So, Georgia, let's say Georgia loses. Let's play this game. So, Georgia loses. Michigan wins. Oregon wins. So, then you got Washington, Florida State, off losses. Ohio State not playing a game. Or Oregon or Washington. We don't need to limit to just Washington. Washington or Oregon coming off losses. Ohio State not playing a game. Texas beating Oklahoma State. Alabama beating Georgia, I would imagine, gets a lot more credit than Texas beating Oklahoma State. So in that scenario, we would be seeing number one, Michigan. Probably number two, Georgia. Number three, Oregon. Number four, Ohio, uh, Alabama. Sorry. I think if that scenario plays out, the world will self will combust, self combust. That thing, the world will implode on itself. If Alabama goes to the Cogswell playoff game, <laughs> that would be DefCon ten. I don't know what how DefCon works, but either way, it would not be good for the sanity of a lot of people out there. It'd be really bad. It'd be really, really bad. But it could happen. It could very much happen, which is scary to a lot of people out there. Goodness gracious. But if I had to make a prediction, I would say Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas. That's what I think I would say. Yeah. Right? 
I could see a reality where, like, Florida State, I wouldn't be shocked if they won the game. Wouldn't be shocked at all. I, or Florida State's probably the favorite in this game. It probably should be. But I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. Washington, just given how them and Oregon have been playing, I think Oregon wants revenge. They lost in the past two years. So I think Oregon will have some sort of revenge styled up for them in this game. But, man, that Alabama <laughs> sneaking up right there. Alabama's right there. That makes things very, very interesting. And then finishing out the top 25, we have Missouri at number nine. So we said to Ohio State six, Texas seven, Alabama eight. Missouri nine, Penn State moved at one spot to 10. Ole Miss 11, Oklahoma 12, LSU 13, Louisville dropping four spots to 14 after the loss of Kentucky. Arizona's 15. Iowa moves up a spot to 16. Notre Dame is 17. Oklahoma State's 18. NC State, after a dominant 19-point win against North Carolina, moves up to 19. Oregon State drops to 20. Tennessee, still still in the top 25. I know they had a very good game against Vanderbilt, but they, I, they're not that great. Given what expectations were, they are, they're not that great. Um, what other teams we got on here? Tulane comes in at number 22 at 11 and one Clemson eight and four. They are number 23. Liberty is at number 24. They are 12 and oh on the season and the 25 fresh off a loss to Iowa state and snowmageddon. The final, one of the final farmageddon games, because remember that game's not, that game's not protected no more. One of the final farmageddon games, I think it's not protected in 2027. Kansas state dropped six spots to number 25. Craziness. Absolute craziness. I'm looking at the, a- the AP poll now. Like Toledo in the AP poll. James Madison, where they, they're number 24 in the AP poll. Toledo, we already said them. SMU in the AP poll. Then you look at the likes of Troy receiving votes. <laughs> New Mexico State's receiving votes. Memphis is receiving votes. Miami, Ohio's receiving votes. Jeez. And the coaches poll. And Toledo's receiving votes. Troy's receiving votes there. UNLV is receiving votes. San Jose, uh, San Jose State's receiving votes. New Mexico State's receiving votes. Like, there, I, 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 the, the coach's poll I don't care about. The coach's poll is meaningless. That is one of the most meaningless polls. I don't even know why they publish it. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's such a stupid poll. It literally means nothing. When I was on the show in, in uh, Waterloo with Gary and John, Gary always wanted us to have the coaches pull up. Always wanted the coaches pull up. And John and I would have to tell Gary every single time, Gary, the coach's poll does not really matter, but it's another ranking, so people will want to look at it. For those out there that want to look at I don't want to look at the coach's poll. I think I care about the AP poll, and then once the college football playoff rankings or the BCS rankings come out, then I care about the BCS or college football playoff rankings. And speaking of that, we have not done one of these in a while. We have not done one of these in a little bit, but I want to do a quiz. I want to do a quiz. National champion quarterbacks. Yes, national champion quarterbacks. Every single quarterback that has won a national championship since 1970. We got a lot of quarterbacks on here. We got 60 quarterbacks. I'm going to try and do this with one hand because I've got, I'm standing, I'm walking around, I'm pacing. I've got the mic in one hand. I'm going to try and type with another hand. Like, it's going to be an interesting, and see, we'll see how we handle this. We will see how we handle this, but I got to take a sip of my alcoholic beverage real quick. This could get messy. I'm trying to lean forward. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm supposed to hold this. This is very interesting. Okay, here we go. So we're going to try and go in much order as we can. Obviously, I have some mess-ups in there, but 
This is from 2020, so we're not including the past few national championships. No Georgia national championships in here. Though we know it's Stetson Bennett as the quarterback for both those teams. So we don't need to include them. But we'll start off in 2020. We'll try to go all the way back to 1970. There's 60 quarterbacks on here. We got 10 minutes to do this. I'm going to say I'm going to shoot for uh, 34. That's what I'm going for. 34 quarterbacks is what I'm going to go for. Do you think that's possible? Do you think Logan, you think yours truly can get 40 or 34 quarterbacks? Sorry. Do you think I can do it? Well, we shall see. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So Alabama 2020 was Mac Jones. Sean Jones popped up there too. 2019 LSU was Joe Burrow. Obviously Clemson 2018. That was Trevor Lawrence. His freshman year against Tua. Alabama 2017. Would that be who? Well, would that be Jalen Hurts? Because they wrote uh, Jalen Hurts. They're counting Jalen Hurts in there. Tua came in to replace him. 2016 Clemson, that's Deshaun Watson. 2015 Alabama. 2015 Alabama. Was that Coker? Did Coker? It was Jake Coker. 2015 Alabama. 2014 Ohio State, that's Cardell Jones. Okay, so we're calling JT Barrett, even though he got hurt in the Michigan game. Yeah, I guess we're counting JT Barrett. Florida State, that's Jameis Winston. Obviously, 2012 Alabama, we got A.J. McCarron. We got a couple A.J. McCarrons in a row. Auburn, 2010, that's Cam Newton. Uh, Alabama, 2009, that is McElroy, right? Yeah, Greg McElroy. Florida, 2008, that's Tim Tebow. LSU, 07, that is Matt Flynn. You might forget about Matt Flynn playing college football. <laughs> Matt Flynn not only played in college football, Matt Flynn got a freaking national championship as well. Uh, 06 Florida, that's Chris Leak. That was... Florida versus Ohio State. I think Ted Ginn returned the opening kickoff, and then Florida beat them 42-14. <laughs> like, it was, it got bad really quick. 05 Texas, that's Vince Young. Uh, USC, that's Matt Leinart. We had back-to-back Matt Leinart uh, national championships. Ohio State, 02. Ooh. Ohio State, 02. So, it obviously, wasn't, it wasn't Troy Smith. Troy Smith lost to Florida in 06. Crap, who was it? It wasn't Kirk Herbstreet. Who the hell would have been... Oh, I'm skipping LSU in 03. Because there's co-national championships that year. Well, I don't even know who... I don't even think I could name LSU's national champion. 03 LSU. Co-national champs. I can't think. We're going to skip LSU in 03. We'll try to come back to that. We'll skip Ohio State in 02. 01 Miami. Ken Dorsey, the dude himself. <laughs> Should have been against Iowa. Iowa State's one loss in 01 was against Iowa State. Kept them out of the national championship game. Ended up losing to uh, freaking uh, USC in the Orange Bowl. Oklahoma, that is – oh, crap. Jason White. Jason White. The only quarterback to win – or not Jason White. Jason – um, crap, what is his name? I thought it was Jason White. He won a, he won a Heisman. He had the knees of like an 80-year-old, so he couldn't play in the NFL. What the hell was his name? Jason – I mean, are we not counting just Jason – it's not Jason White. Did he not win a national championship game? Okay. Okay, we're going to skip that one. Well, Chris Winkie is the next one for Florida State. He beat Michael Vick in the national championship game. 98 Tennessee, that is T. Martin. 90, or 97 Nebraska, it's Eric Crouch. Not Eric Crouch. Tommy Frazier? They use the older. older. Oh, no. Who? <laughs> Why? Why am I blanking on the freaking Nebraska coach? Why am I completely blanking on him? The greatest of all time. Well, the the Michigan national championship was Bob Greasy or Brian Greasy, sorry. Florida, that's Danny Werfel, right? 
I need. I don't know how to spell warful. I need to cheat. I, I don't know how to spell warful. I'm sorry. Werfel? Oh, it's just like that. Oh, Werfel. I thought there was a, like a missing U in there somewhere. That's not the right guy. That is the wrong guy. American football. Former American football quarterback. There it is. That's the way, that's the spelling I was looking for. There is a U in there. War. I'm at six minutes. I'm not I'm wasting a lot of time here. Warfell. How do you spell his freaking name? It's one L. And two Fs. I'm struggling a lot here. Danny Warfel. Nebraska. Who? So it wasn't Eric Kraut. Why am I blanking on the Nebraska head coach? It was at UCF. Why am I blanking? He's one of my favorite coaches of all time. How could I possibly be forgetting about him? Eric Crouch wasn't a national champion. Eric Crouch won a freaking Heisman. Why? Did Jason White not win a national championship for Oklahoma? Did he not win that national championship game? Who was the freaking coach in Nebraska? That is bothering me to my core. <laughs> well, we've got freaking uh, Charlie Ward, national champion in there, Heisman winner. Alabama, 92. Who would have been Alabama at 92? Washington, 91. Colorado. Colorado was not Cordell Stewart. 98, that's Testaverde. Did I spell Testaverde wrong? Testaverde. What? Why am I struggling with everything? Testaverde. Did he not win? No one did. Okay, never mind. There were Geo, not Carmazzi. Oh, crap. Joe Montana got one in there. Theisman, did he win a national championship? No, he did not. Unless I spelled it wrong. I'm at 27 right now. We're not doing really well at the 34 mark. Uh, Jim McMahon, BYU's in there. Steve Young, not Steve Young. Miami, 83. How am I spelling test avert? So Jim Kelly, not Jim Kelly. Okay. There's one other quarterback that won a Heisman for Miami that I'm completely blanking about. Toretta. Giovanni Gio Toretta. Tor uh et crap. How do you spell his name? <laughs> Gio Toretta. Gino Toretta. It's two R's. Two R's. Toretta. There we go. Gio Gino Toretta. Miami. Am I I must be spelling Testaverde wrong. Well, Testaverde wasn't drafted. Well, no, that who oh no 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 what am I doing? Bernie Kosar. He won a national championship. Why am I completely blanking on Bernie Kosar? Uh three fifty left in this thing. Oh crap. This is not going the way I expected it to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thighs man. Am I spelling his name wrong? Could be. No, Theisman just doesn't have a national championship game. Why am I completely blanking on the Nebraska coach? That's the one that's bothering me the most. I can picture his stupid face the entire time. Foster. Foster. Scott Foster. Not Foster. What? What? Scott. Scott. Uh. Oh, no. <laughs> The 0-2 National Championship with Ohio State, that was with Maurice Claret, Claret, I believe. It would have been LSU 3 though. I'm at 29. I got 255 left in this thing. This is so disappointing. It's insanely upsetting. I got all the early National Championships out of the way. I got it was perfect all the way up to 0-3 USC. 
Jason White really didn't win a national championship game. That, that, that one's throwing me off a little bit because that's the year he won the Heisman, isn't it? BCS national champion, 02. Why is Jason White not working? Am I spelling? Is there some stupid name? Did he not start the year or something? What's going on? Oh, you red-shirted. Oh, boo. Boo you. Oh, God, I remember who it was. I'm upset now because he doesn't look like a quarterback anymore. <laughs> I always forget this guy. We brought him up earlier. Loosely. Loosely brought him up earlier. But Josh Huppel, I forgot he he. I forgot he played quarterback. Good Lord. Nebraska, Scott. Scott Foster. Scott. Scott. Right, it was Scott Foster. Who else played for Nebraska in the 90s? Not Scott Foster. I, I'm cheating for this one because this one's actually bothering me. Scott. Scott. What is his name? Scott Frost. Good Lord. I didn't even find him. It just kind of... there. God dang, man. I searched Nebraska football and I was like... Then it... You might not believe me. That's whatever. I don't care. We're at 31. We got a minute... Eight left. Who was the coach? Steve Spurrier. Spurrier. How do you spell Steve Spurrier? Oh, did he not win an Addy? I spelled his name right. I think I did. Yeah, I did. Are we going to crash out at 31? Jim McMahon is the one I'm thinking of. Oh, Ty Detmer. Ty Detmer. Did he win one? No. Crap. <laughs> he was in the 90s anyways. I don't even know why I guessed him. Alabama in 92. I'm just going to start guessing quarterbacks I know played in the like college football at Alabama. <laughs> Rodney Pete. Did Rodney Pete win a natty? I know he spells his name weird. Rodney Pete did not win one. Are we gonna cra We're crashing out here at 31. We didn't even get to 34. I don't know what's going on. I can't guess anything. Save my freaking life. Did Doug Flutie win a national championship game? He did not. Three, two, one. Okay, well, that, that was shit. That was absolutely shit. I got a stupid ad before I could see my picks. I messed that up royally. That was terrible. That was absolutely horrific. I got 31 out of a possible freaking 60. I barely got... 50%. What's the average? Okay, the average score is 44%. So we're fine. We're fine in that aspect. At least we're not below average. Okay, which one should we have gotten? So, 03 LSU was Matt Mock. Matty Mock at Missouri was a freaking legend, so I should have got... I did not know he played for LSU. I must have forgot that. Craig Krenzel? No idea. Congratulations, Craig Krenzel. Uh, Brooke Behringer for Nebraska. Jay Baker. Billy Joe Hobart. Darren, Darian Hagen, Craig Erickson from Miami. Yeah, I should have gotten Craig Erickson. I should have gotten Craig Erickson. Steve Walsh. Ah, yeah, I should have gotten Steve Walsh because he got drafted the first year Jimmy Johnson was the Cowboys, and he brought him in the same year they drafted Troy Aikman. So it was like this big quarterback controversy that he brought in his guy, but they still drafted Troy Aikman first. Uh, Jamel Holloway uh, in there. John Schaefer from Penn State. Robbie Bosco. Todd Blackledge. 
83 draft. Jim Kelly, John Elway, Dan Marino, that draft. Todd Blackledge, Homer Jordan, Buck Bellew, Stedman Sheely, Paul McDonald, Jeff Rutledge, Matt Cavanaugh, Steve Davis twice, Pat Hayden, Gary Rutledge. So we have two Rutledges on here. Tom Clements, Mike Ray, Jerry Tag, Rex Kern, Jerry Tag again, and Eddie Phillips. Yeah, good luck if you got some of those latter ones. Good luck to you if you got some of those latter ones because there's no way in hell I was guessing any of those ones. No way. No way. They're, the only ones that I'm like upset about are Todd Blackledge, Steve Walsh, and Craig Erickson. Ironically, three. <laughs> I should have gotten those three. I was so stuck on Benny Testaverde, but no. I'm glad I at least came to my sense with Bernie Kosar and Gino Toretta. Gino Toretta, I was, I'm glad that one popped up because I knew he won a Heisman. Jason White, I didn't even know. I, I, I keep forgetting about Josh Huppel playing quarterback. I just I, I don't think – look at Josh Huppel on the sideline for Tennessee and tell me that guy was not only a quarterback, a Heisman finalist at quarterback as well. Look at that guy and tell me he was a Heisman finalist at quarterback in college and a national champion. Tell, go and tell me that. Go look at Josh Huppel. Look at freaking Alex Van Pelt, former Bills quarterback. I think he's on the staff of the Browns. He's been with the Browns, Bengals, and Packers as like a quarterback coach or offense. He was an offense coordinator for a little bit. I think that dude's the same way. You could not tell me that dude played quarterback, not only in college, but in the NFL. He played for the Bills. He was one of the quarterbacks after Jim Kelly. Now he's freaking huge. Him and Josh Huppel, big old boys. Goodness gracious. But yeah, Josh Huppel, Scott Frost, I'm pissed about. I'm glad I didn't find his name eventually. It came to me, but I still, the fact I needed to at least think to go Nebraska football. And then go, oh, Scott Foster. No, that's the freaking ref that Chris Paul called a bitch the other the other night. That's a little different. Hey, Jim, Scott Frost, you know. You know, he said, I have, uh, like he said to Joe Burrow, another national champion on this list. Who's he going to play over? I mean, we got Adrian Martinez. <laughs> Who's he going to play over? Grew up a Nebraska fan. Grew up in Ames. He was born in Ames, Iowa. Grew up a Nebraska fan. He grew up an op from the start. And guess what? He made the right decision to go either one of those schools and went down to LSU. Went to Ohio State first. JT Barrett. I don't. JT Barrett getting credit for this national championship game. I know he was a starter going into the season. Or going after Braxton Miller got hurt. I know he broke a lot of Big Ten freshman passing records. But he got hurt against Michigan. Cardell Jones won the Big Ten championship game. Cardell Jones won the semifinal. Cardell Jones won the championship. So Cardell Jones is the national champion winning quarterback of this team. At least in my eyes. But we knew it anyways. Jake Coker, he rotated with Blake Sims, and it was funny. I saw Blake Sims on the Sleeper app today, which is the fantasy football app. He was on there, like not very far down either. <laughs> it was, it was. If you go to quarterbacks in the Sleeper app for fantasy football, that dude is semi near the top, or at least in the middle. Like it was a very odd situation. I was looking, at it, I was like, "What the hell is Blake Sims doing on here?" I didn't even know Blake Sims had his tenure in the NFL. Short or long as it was, I didn't even think he had that. Jake Coker, I'm pretty sure transferred from Florida State. I'm pretty sure he transferred from Florida State. They kind of rotated, if I'm not mistaken. Or wait, no, Blake Sims had like 3,100 passing yards or something. So Jake Coker. That wasn't the same year, though, I don't think. Blake Sims had one year starting in Alabama. Jake Coker rotated with somebody, didn't he? Or am I completely making that up? I got to look up Jake Coker. That's another one. Matt Flynn was another one that I think a lot of people forget is a national champion. But Jake Coger, nobody knows who. He, okay, he did train. Okay, we got him from Florida State. We did know that one. But he did he not compete with anybody for the starting job? 
Back up to EJ Emanuel. Appeared in three games. Florida State as a redshirt sophomore. Competed with Jameis Winston. Blake Sims won the competition. Coker is the backup. Okay, there we go. So, yeah, okay, I was right. I was 100% right on that. He did compete with him. Blake Sims got one year as a starter. Jake Coker rotated in, and then Jake Coker started the next year. We got that. We got that. That's a crazy one, though. Game against Clemson, 45-40 to was the final in that one. Jake Coker versus Deshaun Watson. <laughs> we had some good players on this team, though. Ryan Kelly started in this team. Calvin Ridley. O.J. Howard. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick started in this game for Alabama. Reuben Foster. Mar- Marlon Humphrey. Eddie Jackson, who just played last night. Man. But, yeah, that, that was disappointing. 31 out of 60. I mean, I'll take the 51 or 52%, sorry. There's a lot of quarterbacks on here I wouldn't have gotten, but I, I it is kind of funny looking back on the list that there's three quarterbacks I should have gotten, and I needed three more to get to my predicted 34. <laughs> so, hey, you win some, you lose some. You win some, you lose some. Like we talked about, like with freaking Eddie Jackson, last night, Monday Night Football, we had a bunch of people over here at the Blackman Residence up in Madrid. We had a bunch of people up here, and <laughs> we were all witness to Big Ten West-style football with the Vikings and the Bears, with the Bears coming out on top. Josh Dobbs throwing four interceptions in this game. Josh Dobbs now has 10 on the season. And I saw this on Twitter. It was so funny that someone came up with it. I don't know who came up with it, but it was really the pa- going from the pastronaut to the astronaut in, a d- <laughs> in less than 24 hours. Went from the pastronaut to the astronaut. Gosh darn it, dude. Like, some of those interceptions weren't his fault, but the throw he missed to Jordan Addison down the far sideline, that was bad. That could have been a walk-in touchdown. Some people on Twitter were saying this was the difference between me and me losing and winning my fantasy football game here. Like, he missed a wide-ass open Jordan Addison down the sideline. But Jordan Addison, you know, he had the ball hit him out the face, but I don't think he was really ready for it. He wasn't at the peak of his route yet, and then Josh Dobbs just threw it as hard as he freaking could at Jordan Addison's face, and it popped up in the air. But they always say... Throw to places where receivers don't want to get hit, and that's the face and balls. So you gotta zip that thing into one of those areas, and guess what? They're more likely to catch it because they don't want a ball to hit them in that area. But it did hit Jordan Addison in the hands, but it popped straight up in the air. But it was just a mess of a game. The Bears ran about eighteen hundred screen plays in that game. Like it was just a gross, disgusting game. Jo- J- Justin Fields had two fumbles in the game. One of them looked like it could potentially seal the game for the Vikings. It was just an insane, insanely gross football game. I felt dirty watching it. And everybody was there last night. Every single person that was there last night. This is the sad reality of which we live in right now. Every single person there last night is a fan of a team that is below 500 (laughs) in the NFL. Or at 500 or below 500. So yeah, Jared and Noah were here. Vikings fans, 6-6. Me, Bills fan, 6-6. Andrew was here. uh, Brady, Brady's above 500. He's a Chiefs fan, but we don't count him. But Andrew, Packers fan, not above 500. Spencer's a Bears fan, not above 500. Preston's not really a fan of the NFL. I don't know if he had to choose a team who he would pick. And Jared's brother, Mitch, uh, he's got like 1,800 teams. So I don't, uh, he could have a team that's above 500, but I told Jared after the game and Noah after the game was like, join me. Join me at 6-6. Six and six. Join me at 6-6. Six and six. Now, the Vikings did just activate Justin Jefferson from the IR. 
Good to hear. Going into the bye week makes sense to rest him until the bye week and get him ready for the rest of the season. You can figure out what you want to do at the quarterback position because throwing four interceptions against the Bears is not necessarily something that, you know, great quarterbacks are you're, <laughs> you're trying to push for a playoff spot and your quarterback's throwing four interceptions against the Bears. That's not necessarily the greatest sign of <laughs> we're heading in the right direction thing. And I understand he's just a stopgap quarterback, but there were some people that were actually pondering the fact of Josh Dobbs being the quarterback next year. Now, I think regardless of what the Minnesota Vikings do, whether it's bring back Kirk or keep Josh Dobbs, they're going to probably draft a quarterback early. That would be my guess. I want to see what Jaron Hall can do. I liked him at BYU. We talked about it on the show a lot last year. But I want to – you could go a lot of different directions with the Vikings pick. Because Kirk Cousins is going to be 34 or 35, 36 years old. One more contract coming off a of torn Achilles. I don't care what Aaron Rodgers says. Pete, normal people that are above the age of 35 do not recover from Achilles injuries like that or that smoothly. Maybe not like that, but smoothly. So I think getting a young quarterback, learning from either one of those guys would be a smart decision. Whether it's JJ McCarthy, whether that's Penix, whether it's Bo Nix, whether that's Jane Daniels, whether whoever the hell you want, you're not getting the top two guys and Caleb Williams and Drake may. So focus on the next guys or get Kirk back, who was having a very good year up until him tearing his Achilles against Green Bay Packers, bring him back, and then we're having a completely different conversation. You're like, oh, well, we should get X, Y, and Z position to help build around Kirk Cousins for his one final show in Minnesota and then go out to the quarterbacks next year. Because the 2025 class should be good too. Now, we've got a couple of quarterbacks in this year's class that we don't necessarily know if they're going this year or going next year. We'll have to wait and see on that. But like Shadur Sanders will be there. Quinn Ewers will be there. Uh, Carson Beck may very well be there. I think it depends on what Georgia does in the college football playoff because he could keep skyrocketing up this draft too. He could be the number one overall pick next year or he could be a mid-first-round draft pick this year. I don't think he's breaking into the top two, but there's a cha- there's a case for him being top three in this class. So there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks right now in this draft class or they could at least have the, the option of drafting a quarterback. Like if you look around the grand landscape of the NFL right now, Look at the landscape of the NFL. So the Patriots will need a quarterback. The Jets are Mary Darren Rodgers. They're keeping Rodgers because Nail Hackett, Alan Zard, all those guys, those are there. So they're not going to draft one of the – this is strictly first round. First round. I'm not saying everybody for, like, draft quarterbacks, like in the draft in general, but first round. Patriots are one. Steelers are one. I like Kenny Pickett. I'm glad they got rid of Matt Canada. You saw the offense, the yards they had last week. Completely different than what they've had previously. But I could see them going in reality where Kenny Pickett gets challenged for a starting job. Then you've got, uh, not the, I almost said Titans. Broncos could be a team there too. I know they're 6-5. and five. I know Russell Wilson's playing really well right now or better than what he was last year. But that, that option will be on the table there. The Raiders are another team in there. So that's four teams in the AFC alone that we're talking about could potentially draft quarterbacks in the first round. Going to the NFC side, the Giants or a team that could definitely be looking at a first-round quarterback. I know they got a big contract tied up to Daniel Jones, but there's some out there. I'm not saying these are, like, true or anything. It's just people, like, thinking about it on Twitter. Daniel Jones pulls in Andrew Luck and retires. He's had a lot of injuries. He had a neck injury. He's torn his ACL. Like, maybe he does that. Who knows? Who knows? But the, the rumored expectations that Daniel Jones is going to be the starter next year. But I remember hearing the same thing about Josh Rosen before the Cardinals drafted uh, Kyler Murray. Now, Difference is, before you start yelling at your radios, the difference is Josh Rose was on a rookie contract, Daniel Jones signed a four-year 160 contract. So a little bit harder to maneuver around that. But 
they're in the they're in the conversation. The Bears are in that conversation as well. The Vikings are in that conversation as well. The Falcons are in that conversation. The Saints are in that conversation. The Bucks are in that conversation. The Seahawks. I know I like Geno Smith, but he's on a a three-year, technically one-year deal. It's a weird contract, but they could be one in there. I don't think the Cardinals really are anymore, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. They have a second overall pick right now. Maybe they want to go with a different quarterback. I doubt it because I like Kyler Murray, so I would doubt it, but who knows? But just in your own conference, there's a lot of teams we just mentioned that could all be looking at a quarterback for the first round. So with that, maybe it would be smart to go to next year's draft class. Maybe it would be because then all those guys will be tied down to young quarterbacks in the first round, and this is if quarterbacks go in the first round. I think there's two guaranteed and then you're looking at, I think Daniels will be a first-rounder. I think McCarthy would be a first-rounder. Penix, given his injuries, should be a first-rounder. Or without his injuries, Beck is a conversation for first-rounder. And Knicks. So that's seven quarterbacks. that could be conversation for the first round this year. So interesting discussions. Interesting discussions. The next year, you got the likes again of Shadour, Quinn Ewers, maybe Carson Beck, Riley Leonard from Duke's another option there. Uh, who else do we got in there for... Cade McNamara is going gonna, is gonna to be in that conversation. There's a, a lot of decent. Cameron Ward, I just saw today. Dude's been getting a lot of offers to go play somewhere else. Freaking tampering at its finest in college football right now. Insane tampering in college football. He's got five schools already talking to him about going to play for them next year. One of them being Washington. I saw some people talking about this. What's worse, the Spygate thing or openly tampering with a quarterback that's not even on your roster for next season. What's worse? That's the, the Ohio State was on that list too. So it's just interesting conversations around what year do you decide to go after a quarterback? And hey, worst comes to worst, <laughs> maybe Caleb Williams goes to next year's draft. Maybe he goes to next year's draft. I doubt it, but maybe he does. Maybe he does. Apparently, per the, some reports, I'm not saying these are like stone cold reports or anything or like you had to believe everything these reports are saying, but... Caleb Williams reportedly still believes entering the NFL draft is a, quote, game-time decision for him as of now. There is still reportedly, quote, a chance William returns to USC next season to accomplish what he has yet to accomplish as a college quarterback and avoid any undesirable destinations in the NFL, i.e. the Bears, Patriots, Giants. <laughs> Williams said he is still dealing with USC 7-5 season emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Williams also said that, quote, nobody will be critical of him showing emotions if he was winning, which I 100% agree with. The Bears, Cardinals, or Patriots are currently the, the best position to select Williams. Depends on if the Trojan, Trojan's quarterback likes those options. I agree 100% with – again, I, I haven't seen this quote from Williams. I saw it on Twitter. Who knows if it's actually true. But I agree with the emotions part because I saw Michael Penix have a coat over his head getting let out by a team by one of his equipment guys after the beat, after they beat Washington State this last week, not shake hands with Cameron Ward or the rest of the Washington State Cougars, which is insane. It's insufferable. And this guy's a diva. This guy sucks. But guess what? Washington's undefeated. So I haven't seen shit about Michael Penix crying on the sideline. I haven't seen anything of it. I texted my dad right after it happened, and I texted him all the things about what the people have said about Caleb Williams. Like, this guy's a diva, crybaby, pussy, all those types of things. I haven't seen anything of that from Michael Penix. I haven't seen anything. And this is after he almost threw game-sealing interceptions against Washington State <laughs> or potential game-changing interceptions against Washington State. Not game-sealing because it was tied at the time, but game-deciding game potentially interceptions, game-shifting interceptions that were dropped. And he's crying on the sidelines. 
getting let up with a coat over his head, getting let up by an equipment manager. I haven't seen shit about people talking about that. I haven't seen anything talking about that. And yet, here we are. So, yeah, I agree 100% with that quote, that if no one would care if he was winning. No one would care. But USC 7-5. and five. So then we've got an interesting situation where you're a 7-5 and five quarterback crying after games. Yeah, people are going to look at it some type of way. No one cared about Dorian Thompson-Robinson crying after the Browns beat the Steelers because the Browns won. So it's just an interesting dynamic that we have with quarterbacks winning and losing and all that kind of stuff because the Josh Allen stuff, again, winning and losing the overtime stats, like the, oh, he's 0-6 in overtime. Well, yeah, he left the field twice against the Philadelphia Eagles with the lead, and the defense gave up a game-time field goal, iced the kicker when it was 58 yards out, 59 yards out with Jake Elliott kicking it of all kickers. And then you have the touchdown to win the game in overtime. And I've seen more clips of the 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 missed pass between Gabe Davis and Josh Allen. Speaking from it, not as an, as emotionally, because it is Wednesday. It's a few days since Sunday. Or it's Tuesday, sorry. But it's Wednesday for you guys. It's been a little bit since the game. I've calmed down tremendously since the, the Bills lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. That throw, either way, you could put it on either one of them, really. You really put it on either one of them. Because, yeah, the middle of the field was wide-ass open, and to go to the corner and cut off the space, that's probably not the greatest decision in the world. But the corner played a little bit more inside, so Gabe went outside. Tad bit inside, goes outside. Josh throws inside, Gabe goes outside, incomplete pass. And Josh was like, same thing as Patrick Mahomes when MBS dropped the touchdown against the, the Philadelphia Eagles last week, or two weeks ago, sorry. I should have thrown a better ball. Went right through MBS's hands. Same reaction. MBS in the, the tunnel slamming his helmet against the wall. J- Gabe Davis slamming his helmet on the ta- on the, the little, what do you call those things on the sideline? The hold the helmets. The helmet holder. I, that's, not, that's the only thing I could think of what it would be called. But then, man, like, I, it's, it's really funny because that loss at 6-6, six and six, like, again, we talked about the Bills and Vikings having the same record. Fox Sports tweeted this out today. This is... Uh, Bear Bets Pod, as it must be a Fox Sports thing. Several odds through week 12. You got your standard people up there. 49ers ranked number one, plus 400. And then you got the Eagles, or the Chiefs, plus 425. Eagles, 450. Tied for fourth. Dolphins and Ravens at plus 800. Cowboys, plus 900. Lions at seven at plus 1200. Jaguars at eight, plus 1500. And then at nine, or the six and six Bills. Who are currently the, what did we say Monday? The the 10th seed in the AFC? And then you got the Seahawks at number 10 at 6,500. Plus 6,500. So the Bills are plus 5,000 for the playoffs. to win, Not even make the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. I don't even know if you consider them a top 10 team in the NFL. But from what that game showed, is that if you want to put Jalen Hurts as your MVP, that's fine. But like Charles Barkley said when he won an MVP over Michael Jordan, just because he won an MVP does not make him a better player than Michael Jordan. Took an MVP from Michael Jordan doesn't make Charles Barkley necessarily the better player. People felt he was the better player that year. Jalen Hurts is on the best team in football right now. 10-1, first team to 10 wins on the season. But if you watch that Bills-Eagles game, you cannot sit there and tell me Jalen Hurts is better than Josh Allen. You can't. I don't care. There's nothing you can tell me about it. Josh Allen, first quarterback in the NFL this season, reached 30 touchdowns. 
when Josh Allen is playing like he did against Philadelphia Eagles, I, I'd say this again. That interception, I could care less that interception. That was just a great play by James Bradbury. I listened to Rich Eisen show today. He said the same thing. So then on Monday, we're saying it now. I don't really give a rat's ass about the interceptions. The past two games, his interceptions, one was a Hail Mary attempt at halftime against the New York Jets. And this past week against the Eagles was one James Bradbury just completely jumped the route. Faked like he was going high, came short, picked it off. Nothing you can really do about that. Two weeks in a row, could care less about what the interceptions are. The only thing keeping Josh Allen out of the quote-unquote MVP conversation for a lot of people out there is his interceptions. And it's, let me remind, it's only three interceptions. The way people talk about Josh Allen, these interceptions, is acting like he's got 100 interceptions and no one has more than four. That's the way it feels like people are talking about Josh Allen this year in regards to the turnovers. I'm pretty sure Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts have the same number of turnovers this year. Like the exact same number. But Jalen Hurts has three less interceptions, so we're going to talk about Jalen Hurts' interceptions because he's a quarterback, so we're going to talk about the more about the interceptions. But it's like you cannot sit there and legitly tell me Jalen Hurts is better than Josh Allen. You can't make any argument for it. Like you could say the Eagles are 10-1. Cool. <laughs> there is no bearing on which quarterback's really better. The Eagles are one of the best-built teams in the NFL. I do not care if Jalen Hurts won this game. I think Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. I don't want to make it sound like I think Jalen Hurts is ass or anything. He's definitely not ass. He's a very good quarterback. MVP, though? MVP? Like, let's let's settle down here a little bit. Let's settle down here a little bit. I already said, like, Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey... Probably be my picks because Josh Allen. I, I I know those odds say he's going to win the Super Bowl. He's got the ninth best odds to win the Super Bowl. I'm not really confident about the Bills making the playoffs. So if the Bills don't make the playoffs, Josh Allen's not going to win MVP. It's not happening. It can't happen. There's rarely. I don't remember the last time a guy missed the playoffs, especially from the quarterback position, that won an MVP. I can think of numerous quarterbacks that have had MVP style seasons. Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, to name a couple, that didn't win MVP because their team didn't make the playoffs. So if Josh Allen doesn't make the playoffs, I don't think he wins MVP. It's simple as that. That's kind of a situation which we're getting with Jaden Daniels in college. Like, I think Jaden Daniels is far and away the best player in college football right now. But Bo Nix will probably win it because Oregon's got one loss. Jaden Daniels got three. Though Jaden Daniels had against Alabama, again, 380 yards total offense, they lost. So he, that's the loss, the only thing that people care about in this type of situation. Or Michael Penix. Michael Penix has not been playing better than Jane Daniels in any stretch of the imagination since the Oregon game. Since the Oregon game, Michael Penix has not played anywhere near Jane Daniels. But that you just want to look at stats, that's fine. I can sit here and say I've watched every single one of these games play. You can go read the blog post to prove it. Like Jane Daniels is the best player in college football. I think Josh Allen is the best quarterback in, in the NFL right now. And that's, I'm saying right now, again, it's a similar situation. Again, Charles Barkley thing again. I'm not saying that if we were randomly selecting quarterbacks that Josh Allen would be higher than Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that. Based off this year, I think Brady would say it. I think Brady would say it. This year, who's been better, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I, it, it's Josh. Josh has been better than Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. I'm not saying Josh Allen is better than Patrick Mahomes full stop. Do that, that. Do not get that twisted. I'm not saying that. I think this year Josh Allen's been better. 
Like Josh Allen, one of the highest completion percentages in the NFL. You know I'm not a biggest fan of completion percentage, but for the stat nerds out there, we'll say that. Completion percentage really to the high. Still throwing 13 interceptions, not great. But still, a lot of quarterbacks have thrown over nine interceptions this year. Patrick Mahomes being one of them. A lot of quarterbacks have thrown 10 interceptions this year. Tua, Jalen Hurts, thrown 10 interceptions this year. Like, the turnover is going to happen. They're going to happen. I can accept it. I can accept it. Because Josh Allen also has 24 passing touchdowns this year. First quarterback, again, to reach 30 touchdowns on the season. So, not to mention the rushing numbers, which are not as good as what they normally are because of the way the offense was structured through the first however many games of the season. But if Josh Allen plays, and the Bills' offense plays like they had the past two weeks, the loss sucks. Lost the Eagles sucks. But I still hold true that, I, again, I'm a lot more calm than I was Wednesday or uh, Monday show. I'm a lot more calm, a little more mellow, because it's been a few days since the game happened. But Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't, I don't, like, I saw Emmanuel Acho. Who the hell gave Emmanuel Acho an MVP vote? Why does Emmanuel Acho have a legit MVP vote? Why, why is that a thing? Why has Emmanuel Acho got an MVP vote? I saw this before I started recording this. His MVPs were Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Tua, Trent Williams, and Lamar Jackson. Trent Williams? Really? I know Trent Williams is very good. Trent Williams is one of the best left tackles of all time. But you're going Trent Williams over Chris McCaffrey on the 49ers? Again, not in respect to Trent Williams, but that's your MVP ballot? We're going to respect that as an MVP ballot. Really? Really? Lamar Jackson, I understand the Ravens are doing well. Lamar Jackson has 13 passing touchdowns this year. He has 11 passing touchdowns less than Josh Allen does. Granted, he does have a decent amount of interceptions less. He only has five interceptions this year. But still, all those guys are on there because their teams are good. And I understand that. I understand that. I, that's, it comes with the territory of awards. It, these individual awards have started to turn into more team-oriented awards. So we're actually having a conversation about who should be in the Heisman between Jane Daniels and the other quarterbacks in college football. That's why Jalen Hurts is the favorite to win MVP. Because of situations like that. The Eagles are 10-1. and one. Michael Penix, Bo Nix have combined one loss between them. Jane Daniels is three. So that's what we're doing right now. I think Dak's playing well too. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Dak apart from getting absolutely blasted by the San Francisco 49ers. I think Dak's had a solid season too. I think Dak's had a very salty. I was just I was looking at this the other day too. Um, where's that point differential? <laughs> Total yards down. Team statistics. Come on, where's that? Yard. Okay, we'll go yards, Lex. We'll go to points. I want to look at the point differential because the Bills right now have 328 points scored on offense. The Bills have allowed 227. So they have like. Around a plus 110, <laughs> a 101, or 110, 101 score differential, and they're 6-6. Six and six. The Bills have had every game they've lost be within one score, and they are 6-6. Six and six. You got the Jets game, they lost 22-16. You got the Jaguars game, they lost 25-20. You got the Pages game, they lost 29-25. Bengals game, 24-18, back-to-back 24-18 games. Broncos game, 24-22 loss. Eagles game, 37-34. Both times, or all those games, rather, rather, 
I say the Broncos and Eagles games especially, which are the most recent ones. Josh Allen left the field with the lead both times. Just going to leave that there. Just going to leave that there. And just, well, while we're just leaving stats there, <laughs> leaving, leaving numbers there, longest tenured head coach in the NFL. This is the sixth, or seven, sorry, highest tenured, longest tenured head coach in the NFL. Longest tenured. Number one's Bill Belichick, 23 years. Impressive stuff, 23 years. Mike Tomlin's two, 16. John Harbaugh's third, 15. Pete Carroll's been in Seattle for 14, 13 years, sorry. Andy Reid in Kansas City for 10. Sean McDermott, Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan with the Bills, 49ers, and Rams for six seasons. Without me telling you, and we're going to end the show on this note, because we're just going to leave it on a cliffhanger, kind of. That's not really a cliffhanger. We're just going to leave it leave it open-ended. We're leave it open-ended. Out of those coaches, so again, Belichick, Tomlin, Harbaugh, Carroll, Reed, McDermott, McVay, and Shanahan. What's the odd thing in there? What's the odd thing in there? What's the, what's the thing that separates some of these coaches from others? And I'll leave you with that. This has been a, a Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. Try to be better next time. And yeah, good show. Make sure to follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Check out the LoganBlackmanShow.com. Go to the blog section. Read some of our latest blogs. And yeah, enjoy your Wednesday. And we will see you all, hopefully, on Friday. Peace.